Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Often when someone begins to to follow Jesus, there are battles that resolve like immediately. So you may know stories like I do of someone who, who maybe they had been a smoker all of their life and they come to faith in Christ and suddenly they don't have the desire anymore even to smoke or maybe it's alcohol or just something like that, some habit that they have been engaged in. And it's kind of like, like I, we brought this cage out again. We had that up several weeks ago. It's kind of like you've been in a cage and trapped all your life and then the door opens up and you get to come out and go free. And so we celebrate those, those battles being resolved and won. But then sometimes we get surprised because another battle surfaces that we weren't expecting. I have a really clear memory of one for me this was probably about 10 years ago, I was uh, studying, we were at a previous church, and I was studying for my sermon. It was a Friday morning, and for some reason that I don't remember, I was studying at home. So I was at home by myself, I'm studying for the sermon, and out of nowhere, inexplicably, I had this compulsion to go watch pornography. And I was like, what is this? Like this, I mean, I'm studying the Bible. Like this, this shouldn't be happening. You know, and I had, I had not accessed pornography for 15 or 20 years prior to that. And so this just kind of came out of nowhere. And suddenly there is like this battle going on inside of me. And like, what, what am I going to, to do, you know, with this? And I, I'm not sure how long that went on. It felt like a long time. But it finally got resolved because the Lord brought to mind a verse that he had been drilling into me at that point in my life. And it was from 1 Corinthians 6. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So it's like, okay, God, uh, you win. Um, I'm going to honor you with my eyes. I'm going to honor you with my brain. And so that, bo- that battle passed. But it was, it was jarring to me because I'm like, I, I, I didn't think this kind of thing was going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm used to the idea pre-Jesus of having unrest in our lives and then coming to Jesus to find peace. I mean, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so then when we experience these these battles, it's like, where did this come from? This just doesn't even seem like it, it should be happening. And some people experience that kind of battle over time and they become disillusioned and, and they just say, you know what, this is too much work. And they just kind of go back to their life pre-Jesus, and they just go back, I'm just gonna go back and do whatever I was doing before, and in a sense, it's like they're going back in the cage. You know, we have the option to do that. We can go back in the cage and live life constrained and in slavery to sin like we were before. But once we have tasted life with God, it's, it's, we're not gonna wanna settle 
for going back to life before. Life with God, life, real life, is what God promises us, wants for us. It's what we see in our key verse in Romans, Romans 1.17. If you are new, then we discovered way back in chapter one of Romans, the key verse that the rest of Romans unpacks. And it's actually a text from the book of Habakkuk, of all things. But I'm gonna ask those of you who have been around to, to help me fill in these blanks. And I'll remind you as a way of helping you remember, it, it's introduced by the one who, but then there are three couplets. So that may help you remember, okay, these are the words that I need to remember. So I'm gonna ask you to fill in the blanks for me. The one who by is shall, yes, all right, awesome. The one who by faith is righteous, not by performance is righteous, because we cannot be righteous by our performance. I mean, my, my performance is spotty at best, inconsistent at best, and at worst, it's a train wreck some days. And so that battle happened, you know, that I described happened many years ago. I have battles today, not on that same issue, but battles of all kinds of other things that I am daily fighting. And so when we come to, to faith, we, we, are, we, are, we are made right with God, not by our performance and whether we succeed in those battles every time, but by faith in Christ, whose performance was perfect. His performance was perfect. And then he took the penalty for us so that he could cleanse us of, of those failures that, that we have. So the one who by faith is righteous shall live. And that's what God's intent for us is to discover what real life is like, not the counterfeit life that the world promises, but to live. That's our goal, that's our destiny as we live with Christ. But what about this battle? Are we doomed to, to have an internal war going on every day of our life until this life ends? That's what we're gonna look at this morning. If you would turn with me to Romans chapter seven. Romans seven, if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one on a seat close to you and Romans seven is on 1044. Um, I, I met someone this morning who just has started coming to Grace Point in the last three weeks. And I was like, oh, wow, you're coming in on chapter seven. It's, it's heavy. If you've been here since uh, January, you know we've gone through several cycles of bad news followed by good news. Romans seven is a little bit of some, some rough news. It's some heavy stuff. But here's what I wanna tell you. Like, starting next week, we're gonna get to chapter eight, which is the best news that we have seen yet in Romans. And so, if you have plans for June that take you out of town, you should cancel them. So, <laughs> Disney, whatever, you can do that later. Having a baby, I can wait. You know, getting married, I mean, all this stuff. Put it on hold and you do not wanna miss anything in Romans eight because it is phenomenal. Today, as we finish chapter seven, we're going on a little journey into the psyche of Paul, which is a dense and sometimes scary place. But I think that as we hear him describe the internal battle that he experiences, many of us, if not all of us, are gonna be able to relate to this on some level. Even if you're here today and you're not bought into faith, maybe you're exploring faith, um, but you're, you're like, yeah, I don't really buy all this Bible stuff, Jesus stuff, and you're here. I think you'll be able to relate 
to some extent to what we talk about here today. What we're doing today is we're clarifying the battle that goes on inside of us. Next week, we're gonna talk about how to win in that battle. All right, so that's where we're headed. I wanna start with the verse that we ended with last week, which is verse 12. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Did that which is good then, the law, bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, the law, in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. So this is a little bit of a summary of what we talked about last week. We, we were talking about the law, God's law, God's commandments, the Ten Commandments, all of the, the laws that God gave, and we said we are not made right with God through God's law. God's law actually exposes how not right with God we are. So, so we don't become right with God by trying to obey the law. In fact, the law itself triggers in us to do the wrong thing, which I call this the you know, don't walk on the grass principle. So when you see a sign that says don't walk on the grass, what's the first thing you wanna do, right? So if somebody tells you not to do something, like there's something else, well, I'll show you. And last week, Paul illustrated that with coveting. The 10th of the 10 commandments, you shall not covet. And so the law identifies things that God forbids that we may not have even known about. That's what Paul says last week. He said, I didn't even know what coveting was until the law said, don't covet. And so there's probably some issue for you that somewhere along the line you've heard, oh, God says this is wrong, and you've been doing it, and you're like, oh, well, now I know that, that it was wrong. The law helps us become aware in, in that way. In fact, the closer we get to God, the more aware we become of how far short we fall. If you spend any amount of time at all coming and sitting under teaching like this, being in a small group, um, reading scripture on your own in prayer, if you, if you do that at all, then the more you do that, the more you realize, wow, I'm worse than I thought. I knew I was bad, but I'm like even worse. I, I was talking with someone recently who had, he shared this great illustration with me that I think he had read somewhere. And, uh, but it, it just illustrates this so perfectly. If you think about the cross and you picture Jesus at the top of, of the cross, that he is perfect and holy. He's perfect, flawless in everything he thinks, desires, and does. That, that was Jesus. I mean, he, he was he perfectly fulfilled the law and God's will. So if he's at the top, then you can picture us at the bottom. We are, we are the polar opposite, if, if you will. Like, we, we don't want to do what God wants us to do, and we fail at doing what God wants us to do. So there's like this you know, inverse relationship going on there. And so if you and I, if you picture Jesus at the top, us at the bottom, and if we took a little walk and walked about a, a half mile or so out and so looked at that cross, then the top and the bottom would be very close together, right? The differential would be really close. I was talking, the guy I was talking to is a scientist, so he said the delta. You remember the delta? All right, so the delta is, is really different. Or it's really small, you know, if you're far away. But the closer you get, 
the closer you get to, to God, you recognize, oh, that differential is bigger and, and bigger, which explains why sometimes we feel worse as time goes by in our walk with, with Jesus. Paul pictures this now as we read on, starting in verse 14. He says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin dwells within me. Whew. Man, we read that and we're just like, okay, Paul, what's going on here? Like, it almost seems like a little split personality kind of thing. You know, you know what scene this reminds me of? Some of you, maybe it came to mind right away. Lord of the Rings reference again. Okay, so do you remember the scene in The Two Towers? I'm not gonna even ask this week if anybody's watched it because you're not gonna tell me the truth. So if you've seen The, the Two Towers, then there was a scene, this really fun scene, where Gollum is talking to Smeagol. Like old, old Gollum talking to, or old Smeagol, good Smeagol is talking to, to Gollum. And so they're fighting. There's this internal battle going on between good and evil. What's he going to decide? Is, who's going to win that battle? That's the picture that Paul is, is painting here. And so most of us can relate to this to some degree or another. We, we can relate to the idea that there, there's a division in us and a, a battle that's going on, a struggle that's going on between good and, and evil. And so um, I, I wanna pause here for just a second and acknowledge that there's some debate and disagreement about what this, who this passage is talking about. Okay, so some people believe that this passage, they, they, their interpretation of this is that this passage is talking about someone who is pre-Jesus, who is pre-being made right with God, and that this is really a description of what life is like when we are under sin, when we are sold to sin. So I, there's another group of people, and I fall in the other camp of people who say, no, this is not pre-Jesus, this is people who have come into a relationship with Jesus but are continuing to struggle with, with sin. That, and, and so I, you know, I don't, I'm not above dropping names. So I will just say that John Piper believes that, um, Martin Luther, Augustine uh, believe that. And I don't have time um, to, to get into all the details of that, but I wanna give you a couple of reasons why I believe that this is talking about a believer and not an unbeliever. First of all, it, uh, it's using the first person and present tense. So the natural way to interpret this is Paul is talking about his current experience, that he still struggles. Clearly, he has been justified by faith. I mean, he has come into relationship with Christ. His life has been transformed by Jesus, but this seems to be him describing his current reality. 
Um, if you need more reasons than that, um, John Piper, I linked to an article on our hub. If you go out there, he gives eight more reasons for that, as John Piper would. So he's got nine reasons out there for you. Let me give you one other that he does not give on, on his article. And that is just the looking at the flow of the argument of Romans. So, so Romans begins with all of us under condemnation. We have all fallen short of God's standard. We start with condemnation, but then, praise God, we get to justification, that we are made right with God by faith through Christ. Then we move at chapter six into sanctification. And so sanctification is how we are being changed to become more like Jesus. So justification is about being right before God. And Jesus does all of that for us. Sanctification is about living right before God. And so God initiates that process, but we participate in it, and that is an ongoing process through, throughout our lives. And so chapters 6, 7, 8 of Romans are about sanctification, I, I believe. It doesn't make sense to me that in the flow of the argument, we would go in chapter 7 to say, let's jump back to condemnation. That just that doesn't make sense to me. So, But there are some people who have arguments for that. I respect them. Um, but this is the approach that we will take today. Martin Luther had a phrase for this that many of us can relate to. His, his phrase was, at the same time, justified and a sinner. And so that almost sounds contradictory, but it's not because justification is all about what Jesus has done. Being a sinner is still a reality that we struggle with. So with that in mind, I wanna look at three forces at work in, in these verses that, that we just read. There's an old self and a new self, and then sin personified. Let, let's look first at what Paul has to say about the old self. Actually, he does not use these terms here. He uses old self and new self in Ephesians 4, which we will look at in just, just a moment. But here's what Paul says about the old self here in Romans 7. Look at verse 18. He says, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Okay, so that's Paul talking about this old self, and that's who we're most familiar with, because that's who we're born as. That's, we, we are born by nature with nothing good in us, in our flesh. But alongside the old self, Paul says, there is now a new self because of Jesus. Look at verse 18 again, the rest of 18. says, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So, in, so I have the desire to do what's right. That's evidence of a new self. That's evidence of a transformed mind because the old self doesn't even want to do what's right. The old self wants to do what I wanna do. I, I don't care what God wants to do. In fact, if God wants me to do something, I wanna do the opposite. But new self says, I want to do the right thing. I have the desire to do what is right that God has now generated in me, but not the ability to carry it out. And then there's a third force at work here, and that is sin, which is personified in, in this passage to have like a will and an agency so we see that in verse 13, halfway through verse 13. It says, it was sin 
producing death in me through what is good. So sin is producing death in me. It has this will, this agency, it's this force. Verse 17, he says, it's no longer I who do what I don't wanna do, but it's sin that dwells within me. Verse 20, he says the exact same thing. If I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin that dwells within me. So there's these three forces at work. And so, and, and Paul doesn't even mention in this passage talking about the devil or Satan and his influence and his attempts to tempt us into doing wrong. So we could add that in here. I'm not doing that because it's not in the passage that we're looking at, but we could add that in here. And then you see what's going on in this battle. And, and you see that new self on his own on, on its own does not have a chance because all this force is coming against it. And, and for some of you, this now explains why you're so tired and exhausted in your spiritual life because you're like, wow, this battle is going on and I feel like I'm losing all the time and it's exhausting. And sometimes I just want to give up. In Ephesians 4, Paul is very clear about this old self, new self language. So I wanna share that with you. We'll put it on the screen. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. The people who do not, they live as though there is no God in the futility of their thinking. So he's calling them to sanctification. He's calling them to live differently. You must no longer live as people who think there's no God. Instead, he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is an ongoing process. This is the battle, <laughs> choosing to put off the old self and instead put on the new self. This is consistent with what we're seeing here in Romans 7, which is another reason why I think Romans 7 is talking about believers. And then Paul follows up in, in Ephesians 4. If we had time, we'd look at this in detail, but he follows up with specific examples of how we should be living differently as a result of God and Christ being in our lives. He talks about anger. He says, be angry and do not sin. He talks about forgiveness. He says, don't hold on to bitterness, but forgive. He talks about our speech. He says, don't use your speech to tear down, but use it to build up. He's saying your life should look different than the world around you, and your life should look different than it did six months ago. You should be in a, a process, we should be in a process of looking more like Jesus, and that's involved, that's a battle, putting off the old self and putting on the new. Paul, Paul, Paul knows of these, these things that God's calling us to, our speech, our, our forgiveness, our, our anger, and he says, I want to do that. I wanna do the right thing, but I have this battle inside of me, and I keep failing at it over and over again, and the battle gets worse before it gets better. Look at verse 21. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. 
For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Okay, remember members is just a reference to our body parts. Anytime we sin, it's involving some body part. We've seen this before back in chapter six, verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from from death to life. So Paul, Paul is building this description to a fever pitch, and then he finally calls out in desperation, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Let me just pause there and say that getting to wretched is a win. Getting to the point of saying wretched person that I am is a win. Because when you get to that point, it means that you have stopped trying to downplay your mess. You've stopped trying to downplay your sin. You've stopped comparing yourself to somebody else and saying, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are. And you've come to the point of saying, God, in in your sight before you, I am wretched. That's a win to get to that point. Now, when we get to that point, the question is, what do we do with that? What, What do we do now? And so if you asked 100 people, when you get to the point of feeling wretched, what do you do? Then you're probably gonna get 100 different answers. And you're gonna get answers like, you should start practicing yoga. You should try that. And that's gonna help you relax and transcend beyond that. Um, Or you should watch Oprah more. Is she still on? I don't know. know. Obviously, I don't watch, I don't know. Or, or you should just give all of your, you should give up your religion because your religion is, may, is causing this inner turmoil in you and you should just drop all of that and go back to live like you were before and you'll, you'll be more at, at peace. Those are some of the kind of answers we would get as to what do we do when we get to the point of wretched. What does Paul say? Let's read verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's what Paul says. When you're wretched, run to Jesus. When you feel wretched, run to Jesus. Admit that you need a rescuer, that you can't rescue yourself, and trust that Jesus is the rescuer that you need. Some of you have never run to Jesus wretched for the first time, and that, that's where you're at in your spiritual journey. That's the, the first step, is to run to Jesus for the first time and to stop looking somewhere else and to just, just come to the point of saying, I, I've tried everything I know. It doesn't work. Jesus, I, I need you to make me new and, and transform me. I want you to come into my life. That's where some of you are at. But many of us, have come to that point some time ago, and we need to practice more running to Jesus when we still feel wretched. Because remember, Paul is painting a picture here of the, the life that we experience, even as we walk with Christ. And so we sometimes still feel wretched, and we should feel wretched because we should recognize how far short we fall. And so instead of running away from him, 
We run to him with our wretchedness. See, the sobering reality is that when we come into a relationship with Jesus, we should expect that in some respects, life will get harder than it was before. I mean, sometimes we, we like to focus on the positives, and I like to focus on the positives, um, but sometimes we need to acknowledge that sometimes life gets harder because there's a battle now that wasn't there before. There's gonna be resistance and pushback from your flesh, from your old self, that still wants to be disobedient and do what it wants to do. The, the law of spiritual inertia is going on. Okay, call back to your high school physics class. Some of you are still there. So remember inertia, remember what that is? That a, a body at rest or in motion is gonna continue that way until it's acted upon by an external force. So the law of spiritual inertia says that if you have been in a pattern of sinning in a certain way for a long period of time and that is in motion, it's gonna stay in motion until it is acted upon by an external force. And that external force we find in verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. At the beginning today I, I asked, are we doomed to experience this internal war. And so here's the answer to that. We are destined, but we are not doomed. We are destined to experience that internal battle for the life that we have here until Jesus comes or until we go to be with him. That is our destiny, but we are not doomed because there is a way to win that battle. And it begins with what we talked about today. It begins with running to Jesus with our wretchedness. It begins with admitting, first of all, that we're wretched, <laughs> and then taking that to Jesus, coming to Jesus with your wretchedness. Please understand that Jesus does not require or want you to get your act together before you come to him. He doesn't require that because you can't. So he says, come with your wretchedness, in your wretchedness, in your worst, and he meets us there with his incredible grace. His grace is that he was willing to live and willing and able to live a perfect, flawless life. And then he is willing to, to credit his flawlessness to, to us. So over and over again, when you experience that wretched moment, you, you bring it to him. What, what is that? For you, what, what is that for you that just keeps surfacing over and over and over again? You're like, I haven't been able to overcome this. Bring it, bring it to Jesus because you will find grace with him and grace, grace creates space to face what's out of place. See, grace does not bring condemnation. Grace helps you face what's out of place. So that's the beginning of victory. Next week, we will go on to the next level of victory. And I don't like to do spoilers, but I, I can't help but give you a sneak peek from next, for next week. This is an awesome quote from F.F. F. Bruce. He says, it is I by myself who experience this defeat and frustration that we have talked about today. 
but I, as a Christian, am not left to myself. Praise God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has come to dwell within me. And that's what we're gonna start into next week. For now, when you're wretched, practice running to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you welcome us in our wretchedness. Thank you that you don't turn us away, but that you, your grace creates that space for us to be honest with ourselves, to be honest before you with how far short we fall. You already know it. <laughs> We're not telling you anything that you don't already know. We're just agreeing with you, repenting before you and, and coming in our minds to agree. And so, Lord, give us grace to do that. Lord, for the person here this morning who has never fully embraced their wretchedness before you, Lord, would you win that battle in their heart and cause them to run to Jesus for the first time of many times Lord, that we may rest and be immersed each day in your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.